This is Channel 253. In this episode of Interchangeable White Ladies. Students need emotional support. They need social support. They need to socialize. They need to get out there. They need to be interacting with kids. So learning is not just about studying and in books and standards and such. That is a big part of it, but that's not only it. I, I don't know how I feel about, you know, just closing schools and not interacting with kids or helping them move forward with any type of learning. Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska! Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. Hi, I'm Melanie Denise Cunningham. And I'm Audrey Cunningham. And we're the host of the Channel 253 Podcast, What Say You? This episode of Channel 253 is sponsored by PeaceWorks United and the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation. We're here to remind you that the 2020 census is getting underway and that you, yes, you, should participate. That's right. I know people can get nervous when someone from the government shows up with the clipboard. But here's the truth. Participating in the census will help us get our fair share of representatives to Congress. It will help us get more federal funds to our community, improve our our school districts, and many other things. And you don't have to be a voter. You don't have to be a citizen, even. In terms of the census, you count. Ten questions, ten minutes. Census day is April 1st. Fill out that form. Thank you to PeaceWorks United and the Greater Tacoma Community Foundation for your sponsorship of Channel 253 and getting the word out about the 2020 census. One, two, two, interchangeable. White ladies! One, two, two, interchangeable. White ladies! Inter- interchangeable. Interchangeable. White ladies! Welcome to the Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast. I'm Hope. Oh, Annie's not joining us today. It's like 3 a.m. in Washington State, and this is a bit of a pop-up Corona episode. Um, Corona cast, actually, but I, I'm not original because I've seen that already. Like, ABC has a podcast, I think, out there um, about the Corona cast. Uh, but today's essential question is, what has this pandemic revealed about issues of equity and access in education? And I am not alone here in the studio in Abu Dhabi. I am lucky to have two colleagues, Aaron Shelby. Hey, Aaron. Hey. And also Amy Derisa. Yep. Awesome. Can you both uh, introduce yourself a little bit? Tell us um, who are you and what's your current gig right now? Well, thank you, Hope, for having me. I'm Aaron Shelby. I'm currently working here at the uh, American Community School in Abu Dhabi as the secondary curriculum coordinator. Prior to that, I was in Kuwait for the past six years, working as an instructional coach and high school social studies teacher. Prior to that, New York City Public Schools, DOE. Uh, Shout out to all my friends that are still working there and holding it down. Um, Yeah, and you know, UT undergrad, Tufts for grad school. All the things. All of it. Great. And that mic, you can move, um, it adjusts a little bit so you can move the arm as much as you want there. Uh, Amy, tell us a bit about yourself. Where are you from? What are you doing here? Well, I'm a Chicagoan, been teaching internationally for 10 years. This is my 10th year. Uh, I've been teaching in the Middle East for 10 years. Um, right now, I'm at ACS in Abu Dhabi. Before that, I was in Bahrain for a few years, and then before that, in Jordan. And before that, stateside, Northwest Indiana, uh, Chicagoland, that's where I taught for four years mm-hmm. in Hammond, Indiana. 
Awesome. Yep. Thanks. And so what is your position here at ACS? What kind of work do you do here? Sure. I'm the student support teacher and I coordinate for both the secondary, middle school and high school departments. What does um, student support mean? I think in the States, we don't necessarily use that same language. Sure. It's, um, it's special ed light. <laughs> Yeah. In other words, yeah. So we provide special ed services for students with minor or mild disabilities. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. And Erin, when you explain like the scope of the work that you do here at ACS, what exactly what exactly is that? Erin came in new with um, Nate and I, and we're pretty excited to be part of that cohort. Yeah, so just working with the curriculum, really just um, making sure that there's vertical alignment, thinking about some horizontal alignment, Um and really helping teachers understand and make sure that they are really teaching um, what needs to be taught based on the fr- curricular frameworks that we have here and how we're assessing students. And so just really working from a coaching stance to make sure teachers are supported in their curricular work. Awesome. Um, so I brought you both in because some of our side conversations have been around issues around equity and just having that conversation. I mean, what makes you interested in issues around equity and equity in education? Why do you care, guys? Why do you care? We do care because <laughs> <laughs> absolutely we do care because we want everybody to have access to education. Uh, uh, well, as equal as possible. So. Um, that's why we're here. We're to provide uh, access to all, for everyone. Yeah, Aaron, what you got? Uh, and I think also just making sure that students have opportunities that they um, should have, that they deserve. They might not be the same opportunities, and they might lo- not look the same for one another, but everybody has, you know, that base foundational educational experience. And then within that, getting what they need from that. So really just making sure from, I think, all of our positions, what is it that we can do to ensure that? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the reasons I was excited to talk to the two of you is just thinking about I'm directly in the classroom in a different kind of way than either of you are. But I think we all care a lot about making sure that kids are getting what they need and being pushed forward towards, you know, learning stuff and graduating with a meaningful high school experience. Which, what does that look like in the time of Corona? (laughs) Hey, exactly. And that is what we're here to talk about. Uh, Someone online posted that it was like, quote unquote, uncertain times. So I'm hearing a lot of things like uncertain times and in this day and age of, I don't know, what other good phrases have you heard refer to Corona right now? I'm using it's the new frontier. Oh, okay. Why why are you using that phrase? Well, I mean, pre-Corona, wasn't it it still like uncertain times, like in the era of Trump? Mm, I don't know how mm, people want to go. Yeah, yeah, bring it, yeah. So usually on the show we have a shame bell, but because Annie has the shame bell back in studio, yeah, exactly. Man, I should have made up my app with it on here. Doug, maybe Doug can embed it for us. Uh, What is your best uh, Corona meme that you've seen so far? Oh, I love, um, I love the one, the, oh my gosh, what is it, that movie that um, Brad Pitt was in? Fight Club? Is it the Fight Club? Club. I love that because there's no way I'm going to get near a kid with lice because under that there was a picture of, you know, teachers or people dressed up from head to toe yeah. and um, in gear. And I'm like, yeah, that's probably what I would do. How are you guys? Favorite meme, online joke. What have you seen that's good? Uh, it's the one with um, Lisa Simpson sitting at the computer. <laughs> and I, <laughs> I can't even say it because I'll just start laughing. Well, Marge is behind her uh-huh. and... It says, what does it say? It's like something like you hear a silent call or you try to call <laughs> silently. And Marge goes ahead and puts her hand on Lisa's shoulder and is like, okay, go ahead and log off for me. 
takes me back to childhood. Like uh, you're doing something on the computer. <laughs> whether you're playing, trying to play Oregon Trail, and yeah. you're doing something you're not supposed <laughs> Oregon to. Oregon so. Trail. This is like Oregon this Trail right Oregon now. Trail. We're all gonna Uh-oh. have dis- It's like dysentery. March had Corona. <laughs> <laughs> Lost two days. Uh, this morning I saw a really good one that's like a roll of toilet paper, and then you know some writing, you know, superimposed over it, and it was like, if you need as much toilet paper as you've hoarded, um, then you probably should have gone to the doctor long before <laughs> COVID-19. <laughs> and in Washington, I don't know if in the states that y'all's families are from, but like in Washington state, people are going nuts about toilet paper. Is that happening? With That's you? happening in San Antonio. My family's in San Antonio and, and um, they're telling me the shelves are just empty and, they're, and my mom can't understand why people need so much toilet paper. Either. <laughs> She's like, I don't get it. That's yeah. not the first thing that comes to mind to mm-hmm. buy. Yeah. No, I think in Missouri, my parents are just like, well, we've got Lysol. <laughs> we got the Clorox wipes. We're good. Yeah. <laughs> that does remind me of a meme that I saw. If you remember um, my big fat Greek wedding, mm-hmm. oh, yes. when the guy comes up yes. with the Windex, uh-huh. and I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that one's so perfect. So we have been in school, well, not in school, but in school um, for a week. At, at ACS, we're calling it remote learning, which I actually really love the framing, especially now that I have like in in the threads with having conversations with lots of people about online learning. So there's e-learning, online or learning, other terms we've heard thrown around. Virtual. Virtual learning. That's pretty much remote. So I really love the idea of remote learning because I think it can actually be more encompassing than just talking about like online. Online implies Google Docs and like synchronized time where you're face to face with kids. And Nate's doing an episode where he's digging more into that. If you haven't listened to that yet, go back and listen to it. Um, Aaron, you had a look on your face. Well, I was just going to say it's really something uh, to see how the UAE as a country has branded this quote unquote learning from afar. Mm. And so really even just giving it a title to try to uh, streamline things countrywide uh, and you know what that means learning from afar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when you think about your first week, um, what are some highlights from your week? Anything that surprised you or now that you've had, we've had like two days in our weekend to just kind of breathe a little bit. Um, things that you're thinking back going, oh, I thought this at the beginning of the week and now I'm feeling this way. Well, I pretty much, I, I don't think... I can't say I was extremely surprised about anything. I was very pleased, though, that I was able to reach um, the majority of my students, and they were comfortable with this. However, there are a couple of kids that, you know, you had to reach out or take a few more extra steps with, you know, due to, you know, there are other limitations, you know, students with disabilities and them navigating without actually modeling how to use the platforms that we have. Mm -hmm. Um, But I was pretty much pleased and surprised that, you know, the majority of them were able to step up and um, participate as much as they did. Just seeing how quickly ACS has been able to pull together um, seemingly streamlined and organized rollout of the remote learning K through 12 has been really um, almost inspiring to see how quickly something can be done, I guess, in a time of crisis. Um, The new frontier. In the new frontier. So I'm curious as we go to week two of this new frontier, what bumps along the way we'll we'll see that we kind of anticipated, those that we did not, where are parents at, how are they feeling? And I'd be curious to see as this goes on over time, if the borders aren't closed here in the UAE, if people start to leave and how that might impact Mm -hmm. this 
remote learning. So let's talk about some of the um, issues that come with um, <laughs> with this new frontier, right? It's just stuff you wouldn't necessarily imagine. I noticed um, kind of a thread when I was looking online in the last probably two weeks. It's been on my radar. Um, and so, first of all, I noticed a lot of people kind of just throwing out conversations about, like, what happens with special needs students, um, whether we call them special education, learning support, uh, ELL might be considered that part of that category. And then I sh- saw a shifting conversation into, like, people being um, concerned around tech access and like, oh my God, nobody has computers and internet and so on and so forth. And then I saw a shift, particularly when the US um, schools started potentially closing down in the US, the conversation started to shift again. Um, So I'd like to talk a little bit about that. Have you noticed anything in the trends that people are, and how people are thinking about virtual learning, remote learning, and concerns people have? I think one thing that I've seen here recently, I I guess would be that third point that you brought out in the States, people just tossing the question out that kids are dependent upon Mm. school uh, for food. Um, What are these kids going to do? So that's one thing that I've seen now that I guess the corona has made its way to the U.S. that people are like, "Uh (laughs) uh-oh, what do we do? Um, But that also being said, I mean, that's an implication of the structures that have been in place in the state. So mm-hmm. regardless of Corona or not, kids were, you know, Say it. unfortunately going to be in that situation. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of what do we do? How can we all pitch in? It takes a village. So where's the village at right now? Yeah. To help, you know, in these communities. Mm-hmm. Um, really what... Um, what made me reflect this week uh, going online and going to remote learning or teaching is students with disabilities, though we have our caseload, and granted our caseload is very small in comparison to the number of students that we have in the school, um, but we have to not only provide the services that we were already providing, we had to go beyond that. Mm -hmm. For example, making house visits, uh, further multiple types of communication. How do we make sure that they're able to access the platform that we have in place for them? But now our our responsibilities has extended beyond that because not only are we monitoring our kids closer, we are monitoring the general population of the kids. So now we have to look at attendance. We have to look at who's having problems with uh, online access. And so we're looking at the whole school uh, or all students as a whole school, not just student support students or students with disabilities. So um, what I'm trying to say is sometimes cases will surface with mm. students that have not before because of this new platform and because we're approaching things in an unorthodox way. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about what student support looks like in an international school um, and how that might be different? Because you worked in special education in the U.S. for a while. Yes. What is that? What's different about it here? And how does your job look different than it did in the U.S.? Well, um, Actually, the U.S., you're either federally funded or already you have your um, systems and programs in place. Actually, international schools is we tailor it according to the needs of the students. So the clientele dictates what kind of services we're going to provide. So usually if you go to international schools, sometimes they don't have a robust uh, special education program or department. But what happens is these students come in, we find out what their needs are, and then we put things in place 
place to assist those students. Um, but again, uh, most schools, but most international schools do not have really deep and profound special ed programs for the varied uh, for students like with autism mm -hmm. or Down syndrome. Usually, there are students with mild disabilities. Mm -hmm. It's only specialized institutions and schools. But recently, in the last ten years, mm -hmm. because of changes in the world, especially in the Middle East, schools have now started to look at you know, building really profound and true special ed programs. Do you um, write individualized education plans so for those non-educator people out listening or IEPs, sometimes we call them? We write something equivalent to that, but not as in-depth or as detailed. So we have what we call the student support plan, mm -hmm. and that mimics. It's a cross between a 504 and an IEP, mm -hmm. so it has a little bit of a little bit more detailed, like an IEP, but it's pretty much uh, structured like a 504. So the details um, for people who are less familiar would be like: here are the reading markers this kid needs to achieve this year. Here are the ways that this student might receive an accommodation on a test, like an extended time or preferential seating. Other other kind of go to usually yeah these uh, student support plans will list accommodations that they need in the classroom it will also list interventions or learning strategies uh, it will give um, a better picture of the student how that student learns and what that student needs in order to access the curriculum yeah um, we also work on executive functioning skills and build that metacognitive uh, mm -hmm. ability with students to have them think about their thinking mm -hmm. um, so yeah pretty much that's what it's going to list and we function as consultants to the teachers as well yeah to help you them. do some co-teaching kind of model is like some of the schools do absolutely well. we yeah. do co-teach we our students dictate where we're going to be placed so every year we have to look at the schedules and see where the majority of our students are and depending on their needs we'll start to choose where we're going to co-teach uh, thanks for sharing that and kind of helping us picture that. So one of the things I've seen a lot online from special education teachers and just other teachers who care about issues of equity and access are how do we meet the needs if, the, if our students have this like individualized plan that says um, they have these certain needs that we need to do and adjustments we need to make in a classroom, how in the world could that happen during a school closure? I mean, what is what are some of the ways that people are reimagining that work? Um, that's that's a very good question because what we have now that we have to not only service our students that are identified or part of our program, we have to look at other students as well. So we're functioning more as consultants for the teachers mm -hmm. to help those students. We're also monitoring those students, what they're doing and what their needs are. We're also making home visits. Um, we do, we cannot co-teach like we did traditionally before. So we're kind of functioning more as consultants. So the amount of services that we used to provide in a co-teaching environment is kind of shifting more towards one-on-one, -on -one, mm -hmm. uh, home visits and work with the counselors. So one-on-one, -on -one, we use Google meets here. So kind of using that kind of conference style one-on -on with the kid. Absolutely, and visiting them at home. Yeah, if needed. Yeah, that's depending if they have cognitive, you know, a cognitive disability or um, an emotional disability. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I think that is, in some ways, we're lucky here is that we don't have um, federally mandated requirements around minutes, as far as I understand. Absolutely, that's right. So in the U.S., I think that that's part of the, what makes it unique in the states is that folks have these requirements around minutes, which I think is actually a really good thing in terms of ensuring that kids get some mm -hmm. approach. But as Aaron said at the very beginning, I mean, our system in the U.S. is so inequitable to start with that when we talk about, you know, oh, what about food and what about child care and what about special education, you know, supports, uh, well, the system's kind of already set up so, so um, I don't know, unfairly, I guess. When we've talked about this a little bit before on the show, Erin, do you want to speak a little bit to what you're seeing? 
Well, just with thinking about the system in the U.S., whether it be race or class, it's just been set up in that way where it's structural, systemic, uh, racism, classism, if you will. And so now that we have this pandemic ushering us into the new frontier, um, you know, what about health care? What about health care for my children? What about health care for my aging parents? What about... Um, which I think is something interesting for us living over here and thinking right. about those that are back at home in the States uh, or wherever they might be in the world. Um, you know, access to food or toilet paper or things that, you know, people think they might need um, that they might not be able to go and <clears throat> get as easily as what they should. So I don't know where this is going. I don't know what supports are going to be put into place. I just read something where the House just passed. Um I don't know what they're calling it, but some uh, bill to move forward to the Senate so that they could pass, I think, what, upwards of $50 billion mm -hmm. for states to be able to, to help, you know, the residents out there. What that's going to look like and who's going to be able to access that and get that and how it could be mismanaged mm. along the way. Uh, <laughs> you know, we'll wait and see. Um, and it's just interesting in comparison to other countries with smaller populations, but how they've managed this pandemic now in a very different way where people are seemingly cared for, regardless of family name, who they are, what they have access to. So just kind of thinking about really what is the U.S. doing, mm. um, who is controlling it, and mm -hmm. who is the government really supporting, whether it was looking at education or health care or whatever it might be in this new situation. Do you have a concrete example you're thinking about right now, just to show that contrast for folks who are less plugged into what's happening abroad? Well, I mean, even here, I'm under the impression that if you contract coronavirus here in the UAE, that uh, all bills are taken care of. There's what? No. I don't get charged for that? <laughs> I don't have to wait in line yeah. and then get... Nope. So yeah. to me, that's just a clear cut case where I've read articles upon articles where people called their local health clinic. I think I might have this. I think I might have been in touch with this person. Well, you're not showing all of these symptoms, so we're not going to test you. Mm -hmm. That's wild. Right. Yeah. So where other countries have been much more proactive, uh, again, regardless of who you are, right, having access to a test because that's how they are um, dealing and managing this. Mm -hmm. So it's just interesting to see how all... And I, it's not a surprise, I don't think, to anybody here, but it's just, you know. <laughs> to our another, chagrin, as they say in the books. Right. Case in point, this is the sad and unfortunate truth of the U.S. Yeah. Um, our governor in Washington State, since our show is based in Washington State, uh, just called for six weeks of closure for schools um, completely across the state. And a lot of dis some districts were ready for that and thinking about that. Um, North Shore School District, I think, came out two weeks ago, week and a half ago, with a plan that they had. And a lot of people were criticizing their plan, saying, well, what are you going to do about special education? What are you going to do about food insecure folks, um, people who need to come to the school for community? And one of the things I've been really wrestling with, and maybe I'll have some hot takes that people don't like, but whatever. Um, <laughs> with that, I've been wrestling with the notion of like folks who don't want to close schools because schools provide all these services, especially public schools in the U.S., um, 
so they don't want to close them because it's going to screw with kids, which totally agree with, right? And it's going to mess up a lot of, in a lot of cases, childcare, right? People don't have time to be at home to help their kid with online learning, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, they can't take time off, right? Some people are uninsured. Some people don't have um, sick leave uh, that they can take the time off, right? So those are all very real and valid concerns. At the same time, I'm wrestling with the like, but that doesn't mean you should keep a school open if we're talking about an infestation, which we all know how not just like like just germs spread around in schools. Um, what are your thoughts on like just that tension that's there in terms of schools closing? And finally, he, a lot of people criticized him, I think. And then, you know, maybe equally folks are applauding that call. But he, he went with six weeks. And I know other governors are, are doing similar things. I guess two things. It's one, how serious that we're going to take this and mm-hmm. two, what's the tipping point where it's like, OK, we're all going to get it. So it's back to life as normal. And here's what we're going to do if and when you get it to help manage and, you know, treat you during that time. But it seems like, yes, we're closing things down. We're shutting down all public places, concerts, sporting events, schools, work, capitalism. That seems to be the only thing <laughs> yeah. that is continuing yeah. to go at least in the U.S. Um, Some friends and I were having this very conversation this morning, and I think I probably put out there an unpopular view in terms of this is, (laughs) but I mean, this is also... Yeah, I get it. Unpopular opinion. This is also the time, like, I understand you have all of the, and I do not have kids, so I don't even want to pretend to know, like, what that Mm. means, But this is also the time for a family to be a family and parents to parents. So if this is the uh, reality of the situation, what are the contingency plans that we have in place to ensure that I can go to work Mm -hmm. and still feed my child Mm -hmm. or that I can feed my child? So what are those resources that are out there if I do need that extra assistance and support that can help me? I don't know. Amy, any hot takes on that? It's 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 really difficult. There's no such thing as a utopian situation. Right. I mean, there's pros and cons to everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see the pros of uh, closing a school down and going to remote learning. Um, my concern would be is doing it at the appropriate time because mm. doing something very late may not have an impact, mm. and then it would be it would cause more problems or situations to arise that we didn't have before. Well, it's kind of like what is that tipping point? Yep, exactly. Right? I agree. <laughs> And so um, in the end, there's no right or wrong. We're just going to have to weigh the pros and cons. And depending on where you are and how uh, how bad the situation is, you have to make a decision, Mm -hmm. cut your losses and do the best you can and and consult, consult with people. You need expertise, people around you with certain expertise to help you plan and rectify or kind of. Just, uh, you know, think about what are the ramifications of closing a school and what can we do and what we can put in place to make this as smooth as possible. Yeah, I think um, what you're just describing there, like just making that hard decision and looking to other countries that are already doing this. I think that's one of the things we have a really bad problem with in the U.S. is just being so myopic about our issues and not realizing like other people are doing stuff. They're doing amazing work. And here are our solutions to this. And so while not every country has the same public school system, right, there's still inequities and still issues around that you can look at and go, okay, this might be an interesting model. How can we adjust it? So a couple of highlights I noticed 
um, just in the last week that have popped up. So in Washington State, um, about 45, it's estimated about 45% of public school students are dependent on um, schools for um, subsidizing meals. And so that was a huge issue, right? And so one of the things I've been seeing is a lot of the school districts are deciding that they're going to have pop-up places where folks can get a breakfast and a lunch. And so you can pick up your sack lunch, you can head out, um, you don't have to talk people, you know, there's gloves and all that good stuff that's happening there. And I think that's one really amazing way um, that school districts are responding to that need. I think another one, like at our my old school, Lincoln High School in Tacoma, and a lot of you have donated, who've listened to the show, donate to our um, resource center. They've provided meals to send home with kids on their way out like this all just happened this week um and then they're also gonna try to maintain some kind of um system so that people can email in call in and contact the the resource center person uh, michelle ha shout out michelle um for organizing all this so that as as the six weeks continues right if they need more food and so on um they can get access to that right and so people have been donating gift cards i mean it's pretty amazing and i was just going to say there are workarounds but as long as if you quote unquote establish who that village is, so outside right. of that school district, who are the community players? Who's who? There's community resources that can also help out. Who are the restaurants that you can go to mm. that are going to donate? Like I know my mom with her church, in years past they would always get bread from Panera Bread uh, to be able to put into the backpack, what they right. call backpack snacks that they yep. give to them week the kids weekly. So that they would have a, a fresh, freshly baked loaf of bread. So these things don't sound big, but there are things that people can do that I think they still can do in order to help out. Because I think we're moving into a new era, new frontier in terms of where people are going to have to operate differently and rely upon one another. Mm. And as we've talked about in our PLT, the U.S. being <clears throat> somewhat much more individualistic. Right. And how might this move us be back to being more as a collective in terms of how do we help one another? Mm-hmm. Every time you see the new frontier, I just hear the final countdown, <laughs> which is like totally not, it's like not even the same genre. And I'm really bad at merging genres. Uh, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back with a couple more questions. Thanks. Giant global companies are basically lawless now and are trying to overpower our democracy to protect their profit margins. Yes. And how it's basically impossible to opt out of the late capitalist system we've created. Sis, you don't have to tell me. Well, listen, I found a first step. TAPCO Credit Union, Pierce County's original credit union. Really? Tell me more. Well, credit union means they're not-for-profit financial cooperative, and they exist to enrich their members, not some big bank shareholders somewhere out of state. And they are Pierce County's credit union, dedicated to serving the local community, just like Channel 253. Ooh, that's pretty interesting. Well, what about their services? I mean, I can't live without mobile banking, am I right? Right, right. So now you don't have to choose between important services and your ethics, because TAPCO offers mobile banking, access to a nationwide ATM network, plus lower fees and better rates than a lot of the big guys. Ooh, I gotta say, I'm pretty impressed with that. TAPCO's a local choice. To learn more about keeping your money local, visit tapcocu.org. Thank you, TAPCO, for your support of this podcast and Channel 253. 
Uh, welcome back. Uh, not that we went anywhere between the break, but um, we were just talking about just the extra measures we personally have taken. I know I'm washing my hands. Clorox wipes. So well now. Like, not going to lie, I definitely have increased my um, attention to detail. And I keep, I don't know if you've all seen the meme or like some of the things going around about what song to sing during your 20 seconds mm. of hand washing. Do you have a go-to song that you sing or hum or think about at least? Well, the one I think about is Aretha Franklin recently mm. tweeted. <laughs> I paused intentionally for that. <laughs> she tweeted that you could sing respect for 20 seconds while washing your hands. Mm, Thank good. you, Riri. <laughs> Amy, how about you? Do you got a song? Oh, I'm one of uh, Madonna's songs going to dress you up with mm. my love. Mm. I keep on doing that because that's new. I only, and I, you know, shake it enough until my back hurts and then I'm like, I'm done. <laughs> yeah. I've been doing, um, is it Lizzo who's like the feeling good as hell, right? I'm like doing that. I'm like feeling good. I like don't even know all the lyrics. I'm like, I flip my hair back. And then I'm just like, Checking my nails. Check my nails, right? Like, that's part of the song. Um, that's there. So a couple more questions, uh, thinking about what's ahead and, and wrestling with where we're at now. Uh, one of the big major concerns that have come out about remote learning or shifting um, to <laughs> these uncharted waters. Oh. oh no. I, the funny thing is I was brainstorming with a social studies friend, um, shout out Corinna, about um, different terms. And I was like, which one of these are too colonial? Like, some of them are super colonial. And I was like, maybe I should shouldn't be using these anymore. Um, thinking about tech access. So concerns around tech, people mm -hmm. were like, oh, one-to-one -one issues, um, kids spending too much time, um, too much screen time, uh, internet services, all the equity issues around that. What are your mm -hmm. thoughts on tech access and just the technical side of things? Well, um, I have not ran into the problem that we would probably predict would happen in the States, which is students not having access to good internet. Um, so far, I've noticed that that has not been a problem, not with my kids, not hearing from my colleagues. What has surfaced is uh, the platforms that we're using or the, or the systems that we're using, like we're using Google Meets or we're using uh, Google Hangouts or we're using whatever whatever we're using to communicate um, with the students, Google Classroom, some of them are able to navigate that with finesse, others are not. And I think that's what I have seen in the past week. And so that's where we come in one-on-one, -on -one, tap in with those mm -hmm. kids or meet with them in person and say, okay, let me model for you how you can access this and how you can use this and how this can support you. Yeah, awesome. Aaron, thoughts? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where the UAE goes, particularly with the VOIP mm -hmm. um, services post, if there's a post-coronavirus. <laughs> um, Can you explain were, that a little yeah, bit? Because I don't know if all of the listeners. We've talked a little bit about it on the show. But, yeah. here or you needed a VPN to access, like the Google Meet, Skype, Zoom, <laughs> All of those things. So if you used maybe one at home in another country, then <laughs> you would know. Um, but it seems like maybe they are relaxing that since um, we are learning from afar. Yeah. Across one, the country. Yeah. One thing that's, I think, unique to us, and correct me if I'm wrong, but... Um, right now in the UAE, we have four weeks uh, for e-learning, or you mentioned it. It's called um, distance learning. Is that what they're remote remote learning. Learning. learning from afar. There we go. I love all of the different phrasings. Um, learning from afar. One of the things is in the UAE, most people were pretty close to their spring break, and so the government decided that that people will just take their two weeks of spring break a little bit early, and then have two weeks where they are shifting into that distance learning or the remote learning. <coughs> um, our school had an early spring break, and I think we're the are we the only school in the country? The only school. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. Uh, 
so we're the only ones. And so in some ways we're a prototype, I think, with some of those programs. And so um, what's really nice is just the partnership and people's getting, like you said, we have to get creative. We have to get innovative about the way that we're approaching this, um, especially if we, if we believe that it's important for students to maintain some kind of semblance of routine and ongoing learning, um, we have to reimagine what that looks like, right? And so whether that's a tech service or something else. Um, I've seen a lot of folks, though, in China um, and Hong Kong and South Korea and various places um, in that part of Asia that have struggled with internet access. Um, and so that's not uh, totally, that's not, that's not something that's just unique to the United States. Have you seen ways that people are working around that? Working around it, I think we're still learning. Yeah. I was just going to say I have a friend who is living in Lebanon, and I know she is dealing with that as well and has been dealing with that based on just what that country's been going through here within the past six, seven months uh, between coronavirus and um, government changes and uh, things of that nature. And having to rely upon the Internet at various times has not been reliable mm -hmm. for the teachers, for the students. So knowing that those issues probably happen also in every country, I guess the thing in the back of my head is what is happening and being somebody who works in the secondary schools, middle school, high school, particular for high school students, what is happening? Because I feel like for seniors, mm. what is going to happen what is being taken away from them, right. what is new for them that nobody else has experienced. But I'm just curious, like that that high school experience, needing credits, mm -hmm. how are we ensuring that these children are going to be able to earn credits by the end of the school year if they are re learning remotely between now and the end of the school year? What does that look like? What does that mean? Graduation. So I know there are a lot of unknowns. I think for me the word... It's just grace, giving everybody grace around the world as they navigate this, with the exception of the U.S. government. Um, shame out, shame out. <laughs> <laughs> Jokes aside, yeah, um, giving everybody grace, even the U.S., um, to navigate this because this is new, right? Mm -hmm. So what does that mean? But also knowing that that we have to be intentional and that there is some urgency around, at least for high school students, with that work has to keep going for them. Yeah, one of the things I just saw this morning was um, that Governor Inslee and the legislature essentially is working or has passed a bill, um, House Bill 2965, that looks at graduation modifications for seniors that were on track to graduate. And so um, they're looking at that. I didn't get too deep into the bill, but I'll link to that in the show notes. And so folks who are feeling nerdy can go read that um, just in terms of rethinking, like you said, what does it mean for graduation for our, our students who are, who are working hard and um, working their butt offs? So one great thing that has happened, I would argue, is that high stakes testing in Washington state went out the window because of the six mm. weeks closure. So they, um, that we've already been doing some work around delinking that to graduation requirements because in Washington state, um, smarter balance used to be linked and other various tests were linked to graduation requirements. And so, um, they put a kibosh on that, canceled it. A lot of folks were anti-testing were really in support of that. But I think bigger picture is, you know, what's most important for our kids to get now. I'm curious too, <clears throat> if we look at this time next year, will testing be back? Hey. Or because there's a lot of money made there. Yep. Or are we is this a time for us to reanalyze and rethink what is the purpose of education? Where are we at mm. in the 21st century? 
are we taking some of these things that teachers and schools are learning now and implementing them into our regular practice, regardless of uh, remote learning or not? Mm -hmm. So I feel just overall my position, like this is a very exciting time. Teachers are learning. Teachers are trying new things, at least here from what I'm seeing at ACS. Um, and to see kind of where and how we can use these things in our regular practice, regardless of no students in front of us in the classroom. What does this mean for me as a teacher and my practice? But I think some of those larger questions, do we go back to business as usual mm -hmm. once we navigate mm -hmm. through this? Or what are some of those systemic and structural changes that we might be able to, to leverage moving forward? Mm -hmm. We are we're definitely pushed out of our comfort zone as educators, as teachers, as learners. And this is a wonderful opportunity, especially for us in student support or in special ed, is to bring that those unorthodox ways to assess students and help them demonstrate how they learn. And that's where we can use that. What, what what works for students with disabilities will work with all students. Mm -hmm. And so let's, you know, steer away a little bit from the orthodox, from the traditional, and yeah. find other means that are meaningful. What we really want is students to interact and be active and engage with what they're reading, what they're learning, and it doesn't have to be a traditional pen and paper mm -hmm. assessment. Yeah. So one of the things I want to ask the two of you about your opinions on, uh, in Washington State, our governor, one of the things with the closure that happened for six weeks, um, basically he said that because schools, unless schools can guarantee full access to blank, blank, and blank, like they would traditionally receive at school, um, then they do not have to offer any kind of distance learning during our six-week shutdown. And so I know some of your faces are like, wait, what? So in other words, um, yeah, there's no school for a lot of kids and just straight up no school. So teachers, of course, there's concerns around pay and work and all that stuff. Um, but a lot of my teacher friends in Washington State are like, wait a second, you know, six weeks, it's a lot of time to lose learning. On the other hand, the argument is, is that, well, if you can't provide, you know, internet access or you can't provide packets, and there's this pushback about packets. And But I think, you know, if you print out a graphic organizer, it's the same thing as having it up in a Google Doc. Um, and t to me, that's, for me, I, I think, about it in terms of differentiation um, and how you just normally in a normal classroom anyway you would divide up stuff sometimes you assign it to a kid online and a kid who doesn't have access to it via email or like google docs i would print it out and give it to a kid like to me that doesn't really change necessarily um so what do you think about this they're just they're just straight up saying like no nah, don't worry about it um you're not going to assess kids you're not going to send them home with anything i have some friends who've gone creative with that right so the, the when they also the closures are really like sudden right so they all schools have to close up by tuesday this next week um <laughs> in Washington. And so part of that, some districts are pushing back a little bit on that. And I, there is, in the way that the governor phrased it, there is freedom for districts to to say, no, we're going to do this. So like North Shore School District that I mentioned earlier. Um, but the concern, again, goes back to special education because the weirdness of the laws is bizarre catch-22. You either need to have you need to offer all of these minutes and offer all these things that to meet these kids like needs that are written in the documentation. Or if you just say freeze because we're an emergency and don't offer anything, then it's fine. Wow. Thoughts? Yes. <laughs> um, where do I, uh, let me think a little bit here. 
you know, it's it's not just about teaching kids um, what's in textbooks and covering the curriculum. Students need emotional support. They need social support. They need to socialize. They need to get out there. They need to be interacting with kids. So learning is not just about studying and in books and standards and such. That is a big part of it, but that's not only it. I, I don't know how I feel about, you know, just closing schools and not interacting with kids or helping them move forward with any type of learning. Um, one thing I think of, okay, if we're going to be, if we're going to close schools for six weeks and nobody teaches, do we resume? Does that mean we teach in the summer to make up for those six weeks? But then again, I mean, it's still, it's doing some damage mm-hmm. or it's putting kids behind a little bit. Um, I'm not sure how to th- think about that. Yeah. And from what I've seen so far, I mean, obviously everything's changing day by day, but or hour by hour in some cases, um, they're not requiring that schools make up that time later. It's like because it's an emergency, they're just kind of waiving it, so to speak. Yeah, uh, yeah that's 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 kind of wild, right? It's yeah. wild. I'm not sure how to, you know, I don't I don't necessarily like it, but I'm not against it either. I would have to let that marinate and, and, and have a conversation about that. Air in your face says a few things. Oh, what you got? Well, you're main, marinating. I'm grilling over here. Um, I think also just from week one on our end of being in this and listening to conversations, listening to what you just said, it just makes me go back to are we really being intentional about the learning we want students mm to do? Are we being intentional about what it is that we want them to know and understand? If we're just giving them busy work, whether that's through Google Classroom or a packet, it's the same. Right. Right. So to your point, Hope, like if we're not actually thinking and Amy, what you said in terms of how are we helping learning be more authentic? There are ways we can do that now. It might be counterintuitive for them to be in the community, but being outside of the school mm-hmm. might help them think about things in a different way. How can we build those structures so that learning can still happen, whether it's through some photocopy piece of paper or in an online space, but are we being intentional and purposeful about it when we think about it, or is it just a checkbox? <laughs> okay, I made my 100 packets for the next six weeks, mm-hmm. and we're done, and you bring them back whenever we come back. Mm-hmm. So it's just thinking about really how can we leverage this time so students are still learning and the learning, as you said, Amy, just in terms of like that textbook example, it should not be the same. Yeah. Right. Let's give ourselves some time to think about it and see how it goes. Yeah. I definitely shout out to all the Lincoln teachers that we're sharing this week about basically they took the kids on their last day. They took the kids um, to the library and we're getting kids access to a bunch of books. Check out all the books you can mm-hmm. or that the librarian will let you check out and take those home just as something to maintain that. And I, to your point, right, we always should be learning and moving forward. But I think especially in like high needs communities or where kids are back a few different grade levels when it comes to reading or math or whatever it may be, um, it's especially important to keep that going. I think I keep thinking about that in the back of my head, you know, so I just am, uh, yeah, maybe it's just reimagining it. Maybe that's mm-hmm. what we need to really be focused on. Yeah, more. and I mean, again, literacy cuts across everything. So right. even if it's just focused, the school focuses on reading, then during these times, only things can be gained from that. Nothing's going to be lost, mm. right? Absolutely. They're going to be able to apply that to their math, their science, their yep. social studies, their English, their reading, whatever class it might be. 
we just had to make sure that those structures are in place, taking to the library, having books online, mm -hmm. having things that read to them, right? Recording videos that they can play of their teacher reading a story to them. Mm -hmm. Just what are ways that we can continue to help them build their literacy skills? That is something also that families can help out with, right? People in the neighborhood, people in the community. I don't know if libraries are closing in the States. Yeah, some of them are. Um, but thinking about how to, to use that. I know that um, one thing we do with our students is, um, you know, we have exit tickets and it's a little, you know, form that they fill out. And, and some of those questions in our exit tickets for our kids is like, what are your hobbies? What are you doing right. with the extra time? How are you utilizing your time? And we structure some of those questions in order to get their thinking going that, okay, these are uncertain times. Things are not being done traditionally the way they're supposed to be done or the way they've always been done. But what can we do to keep ourselves moving? What can we do to keep ourselves sane? What can we do to keep ourselves active? And what I mean active, not only physically, but mentally right. active. So, yeah, that can take many forms. Again, we are pushed out of our comfort zone, and that's okay. But that means we need to step up, and that mm -hmm. means we may need to work a little bit harder or a little bit more. We may have to volunteer. We got to step up mm -hmm. until we figure out what's going to work and what we need to do. Yeah. The, I think that's kind of a perfect place to end the bulk of our conversation today. Um, I do want to do one of our traditional segments, uh, Champagne and Real Pain. Champagne for my real friends, real pain for my champ friends. So in this segment, we raise a fake glass of champagne to people that are doing the work or a shout out to somebody who's just being amazing. It might be somebody you personally know, it might be someone you saw on social media, et cetera. Uh, so take a moment, think about somebody you'd like to raise a glass to. I personally would like to raise a glass to all the amazing Ash, Ash teachers um, out there on Educator Temporary School Closure for Online Learning, which whoever started that group, that's a wild name, but we won't that's get into Facebook, that. Right? It's on yeah. Facebook. Yeah. And Amy was the one who added me at the very beginning last week. And just shout out to all those teachers who have been grinding. Like there's so many amazing people that are sharing their work. They're like, here, use my Google Doc. Here's this. Here's that. Oh, you want an idea for teaching kindergartners how to build airplanes great here's a plan i have i'm just like what the heck um it is amazing and shout out to all those educators who are just sharing and problem solving and really helping support people and and doing it for free i think it really gets at the root of like what teachers do and what teachers are like the idea of, of helping each other and, and helping learn mm -hmm. um, helping each other learn and helping our students learn with just that hope um that they have it mm -hmm. so raising a glass to all those folks I'm just going to second that because the sharing aspect in this time, I think, is super important. And that can lead to even long lasting collaborative opportunities. So even just teachers putting themselves out there, making themselves vulnerable in the sense of we don't have it all figured out. What do you all think about um, this idea or what is happening in my district or in my school? Being able to put that out there and receive feedback and ideas the champagne class has to go to them. The other one is Naomi Campbell because she's been mm -hmm. trying to tell us <laughs> to wipe our seats down on uh. the plane. <laughs> okay. And she showed up in a hazmat suit earlier this week, so 
Not far behind you. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, any champagne for you, Amy? Well, definitely to all educators around the world. I know that we are all stepping up and sharing. And I can't tell you, even total strangers have been sharing stuff with me. I'll put a question out there and you get 50 teachers responding. So kudos to them. But I also want to shout out and say to our administration and yep. our colleagues yep. here, because I can't tell you how important it is to have a safe place yeah. to be able to think out loud and be vulnerable and put your ideas out there and people help your idea move forward yeah. or tweak it or build on it. So having amazing co-teachers or co-partners and an administration and a staff has been in providing that safe place to talk. Mm-hmm has been phenomenal for me. Yeah, I'll raise a glass um, to ACS colleagues as well uh, yeah. this week. Ching, 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 ching. Oh, like, okay. I'm going to add that, like, champagne popping again there. Um, there we go. Uh, yeah, just people just taking risks. Like, it's really mm-hmm. scary, and we all, there's, I think, a little bit of a perfectionist in many of us as, as educators, mm-hmm. and just taking that risk and being like, okay, I tried this thing. Can you help me with this thing? Can I do it? And just, like, the awesomeness that's coming from it. It's really mm-hmm. inspiring, and I, I feel very, very lucky and very blessed mm-hmm. to be in this space. Absolutely. Uh, ACS. Hey, yeah. thank you, ACS. Uh, the flip side of that, some r- real pain. Uh, is there any real pain that you would like to dish out out in the world somewhere? I know for me, I'm going to dish out some real pain to all the ash hoarding, ash holes hoarding the TP <laughs> out there. First of all, don't be such a butt. Hey. And second of all, hello, bidet, tabo. There's a lot of different names for using water to help rinse <laughs> yourself out. Hey, just don't be so selfish. Other people need access to toilet paper. Just don't. If you're going to if you're going to take some extra ones and share it like use it to give to other people um i've seen so many things online of people just like hoarding and just giving dirty looks to each other like this should be the time where we are helping each other in the middle of crisis not being awful so real pain to you who are hoarding toilet paper unnecessarily I want to say, you know, I want to second that because when my 70-year-old mother goes to the store and she can't get her necessities, it pisses me off and I am thousands of miles away. So, yes, please be thoughtful. We don't all need the same amount or more than others of, of whether it's water or sanitizers mm, or tissues, mm-hmm, please, for, mm-hmm. you know, for, for Pete's sake. Yeah, for real. Be realistic. <laughs> And I was just going to say, I think in this new dawn that we are experiencing, that I feel everybody is doing the best they can with what they know. However, people are actively making the decision <laughs> to still travel. Uh, <laughs> that's true. And I, I get it. Things are now cheap and you want to go live your best life. Cruise, hey! However... <laughs> We have a responsibility to others, right? Mm. We should not be hosting these germs that then can go, <laughs> right? Because there are super hosts out there, super carriers. Yes. I'm such a super host. Like, can you imagine somebody just being like, I'm so good at carrying this disease other places I mean, on this cruise? We can talk about that later. Yeah. But yeah. Um, but just thinking about putting others before mm. your own needs or wants at this time, right? Because mm. it's really just about pitching in. To make sure that, again, as you all have said, people are able to get what they need at this time to be able to survive. Mm -hmm. All right. Final segment. I know we've got lots of segments and I didn't warn you about them. Um, The final segment 
Do your fudging homework. Interchangeable. White ladies! So homework for our audience members, something to go out and do. One, we already told you, stop hoarding toilet paper. No, I love our listeners are really fantastic um, about not being like that. So homework for people to do, think about, uh, read, etc. I think uh, my homework for folks is just to continue to share those resources. Um, I saw some really amazing stuff today. Um, the somebody of psychology, something, something, somebody important, uh, sent out a chart that was just like, here's what you can do with your kid throughout the day and structuring the day to create routine. And so I know a lot of parents have been concerned about how to keep routine up with their kids and screen time and all that kind of stuff. And right now, if you can, if you're living in a place where you can't have that kind of routine, wake up and do your morning routine and spend time, you know, journaling and then go out and do something active and then come back and have lunch together and then, and then, and then. Um, so uh, just sharing those resources. And so I want to encourage folks to keep doing that and being positive in the midst of chaos. Other homework? We're all educators. We like to sign homework. Hey. Well, no, you no. know, you've heard that saying, if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. So you have to take care of yourself because if you're miserable, you're going to make everybody mm-hmm. around you miserable. True. Energy is contagious, and you want positive energy so that can spread. We should have done all of the, like, virus language. Thank you for bringing that up there. Dang I should have written down all the puns. Spreading that contagious. Amen. There you go. I think just being good to yourself, as you just said, and check in on your neighbor, even if it's just a hello, how are you doing? Absolutely. You need anything, whether that's a neighbor, if you're still at work Mm -hmm. or your neighbor at home, just check in. Awesome. Thank you, too, for coming on the show. Appreciate it. Thank you for having us. All right. Bye. 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 Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is sponsored by Alaska Airlines. We We fly fly Alaska. Alaska. Book your next flight on alaskaair.com. The Interchangeable White Ladies Podcast is part of the Channel 253 Network. Check out our other shows. Nerd Farmer, Citizen Tacoma, Crossing Division, Flounder's B-Team, We Art Tacoma, and What Say You? This is Channel 253.